Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hola socios, hola equipo, my name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Nurnberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh, Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I am a socio of The Big Interview. Hi, my name's Neil. I'm a socio of The Big Interview from Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. My favourite episode of the last season was the one with Sir Les Ferdinand. I never realised that he'd actually played in Turkey at the start of his career. Every time I listen to an episode, I always learn something new. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Hello from Backpage. I'm Neil White. This is The Big Inside View. And today we have a La Liga preview Q&A special. I say preview, but the keen-eyed among you will have noticed that we are heading into match day three already. All the more intrigue, if you ask me. The questions come from our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. The answers, as ever, come from the host of The Big Interview, Graham Hunter, who joins me from Barcelona now. First up, we have a question from one of our regular contributors, but Diana Yao. This time, you took the plunge and recorded your question, and here you are. Hello, this is Diana from Singapore. My question has to do with something that probably other socios will be asking as well. Is this the season the best chance for Atletico Madrid to have possibly a shot at La Liga title, seeing how their nearest rivals have been doing? I have a theory why they may have a chance, and yet to do with how they were already here in my country during pre-season under the guise of the International Champions Cup. It had already been noted here that the last time Atletico had their pre-season back in the summer of 2013, they would win the league title the year after. I don't tend to believe in omens, but it would be nice to see them having a shot at it. Gracias and continue keep up the good work you have been doing. Diana, what a magnificent pleasure because as long as we've been um, Twitter friends and social friends, I swear that's the first time I've heard you talking to me, so that's a real pleasure. I love the way you asked the question too. Yeah, obviously, it's something that we need to focus on, whether Atleti can win the title. Only their second title since 1996, that would become. And I agree with you as well. I don't think we look at omens. Sometimes there are omens whereby you could say there was something so special in what they did pre-season that it might help them. For example, it's very clear that over at Manchester United, Jose Mourinho resents the fact that they were in in the US pre-season and that summer training wasn't conducted in Europe. It's definitely the case that both Valverde and Lopetegui after a World Cup, and and this may apply to other managers, but wherever you've got a club that has had lots of different 
footballers who've had a long, tiring summer. What they want to do is do their training, number one, if possible, with the minimum number of air miles, and number two, with uh, temperatures that are not going to be brutally draining. Now, it so happens this year that there wasn't much damn difference between the temperatures that Atleti suffered or the temperatures that um, Madrid and Barcelona suffered in the States compared to the massive heat wave that hit the centre of Europe. But on your point about, you know, I watched Atleti when they were over near you, particularly in the Paris Saint-Germain game. What we saw was youth and uh, naivety. We, at that stage, I don't think saw indications that this would be a title-winning squad. Um, But I think you can discard those indications for a huge number of reasons. The The first of which, when any of us involved in this podcast has been around a title-winning, a cup-winning, a treble-winning squad, you, you begin to notice gestures that are beyond, is a guy training well? Do they have a, a leading scorer? Have they got vast amounts of experience? Because you build the bricks and the foundation of a title bid on lots of these things that all of the socios that I'm aware of, you already know this. But I think when you watch any leading squad and senior players turn down the chance to leave. Senior valuable players, players who are not just whiling away their time and, and, and picking up big wages while their contract runs down, but they're not playing very much. You obviously know who I'm talking about. Number one, Oblak turned down a move to Chelsea. Griezmann um, turned down a move to Football Club Barcelona. And late on, not quite as late on in the market as the English media uh, reported, but within the last 10 days of the market, Godin turned down the opportunity of going to Manchester United, even without having yet guaranteed himself a really big wage rise at Atleti. Now, when you get that, number one, all the other players look around and go, boy, the leaders, the senior warriors believe. Okay, we believe. Cholo Simeone understands that his first lieutenants on the pitch are feel involved, feel belief about his daily methods and that that to me uh, Diana and, I, and given your football knowledge and I'm, I'm banking on everybody else all the other socios being of a similar mindset each of us knows that when you get a, a messianic coach a coach who is intense and a leader and whose word is law and who controls everything of importance around the training around every day and who's in your ear all the time. And we've, we've established for a long time on this podcast that uh, Cholo Simeone is not the product of what you see on the touchline on match days where he's shouting and nervous and waving his arms and basically oozing intensity and ferocity. A lot of the tactical now comes from his sidekick, German uh, Borgos, the ex-goalkeeper. And, and Simeone is very capable of subtle, intelligent player psychology um, on a day-to-day basis. But nonetheless, it is him who sets the rules, sets the tempo, and burnout comes. That's the point I'm trying to make, that we've seen, whether it be under Guardiola or Mourinho or Ferguson, less so Wenger, because the way in which he'd gradually lost his players and his squad over the years was from very different reasons. And Ancelotti is more in the Wenger camp in terms of people can be enchanted, can, can be convinced, can can play some of their best football. But both Ancelotti and Wenger have a, a light hand on the tiller and some people just drift off into giving less than their best. It's just the way things happen. For the 
guys who drive a, um, a coach and horses through a squad's behavior patterns and say, do this, do that, never do that, always obey me, show me playing intensity on a Tuesday and a Thursday, not just on a Saturday or a Sunday, the Simeones, the, the Fergusons, the Mourinho's of this world, for Simeone to know and the other players to know that these leaders aren't tired of his message, aren't stale and aren't desperately seeking. Each of them would have had a serious wage boost and each of them would have had a new challenge, which particularly in the case of Griezmann, having scored two goals in the European final and then gone on and won the, the World Cup, the idea of a new challenge could have been very, very attractive to him. Anyway, cutting into what I think the, the, the major point there is that we know that they are competitive. They finished ahead of Real Madrid last season. They won a European trophy. They slapped themselves about the face the instant that they stopped performing at a Champions League group level. And while I genuinely believe that hosting a, a Champions League final at your own stadium can be a distraction... I believe that with the depth of squad that they've got, with the quality of players, with the mentality of their players, if people like Arias and Rodri and Kalinic can bring something relatively fresh and challenging to the party, if Thomas can continue what was noticeably a, a tactical and athletic improvement last season, if Lucas can continue to show that by a long way he's the better footballer of the two brothers, um, Teo having been loaned out from Remedy to go up and play at La Real, if things like that can continue to gel, then the majority of the squad has shown already that they've got the stamina, that they've got the attitude, the mentality to win a title. Most of these players have now won four, five trophies, six trophies in recent years, that becomes a habit. It's proof that they can supersede big rivals. One of the major thorns in their side has been Cristiano Ronaldo. He's gone. And then you come to the obvious one that I can't miss out. Diego Costa is somebody who both infuriates and confuses me. He played sluggishly and lazily in the World Cup, got three goals in the first two games, but abandoned all concepts of clever movement. He didn't look live, and he was culpable, although the coach shouldn't have picked him in the last game, probably the last two games. His performance against Russia was pretty shameful. Now, he comes back, and instead of morosely... Um, eating his way to comfort or drinking his way to comfort over the summer. He comes back in the kind of shape he should have been in Russia. He's as trim as he was in 2014. He absolutely looks as if he's not only been trained very hard by Professor Ortega in the preseason, but as if he's almost the instant he's left Spain's World Cup challenge. He's eaten better. He looks brutally hard running. He looks full of enthusiasm. He is definitely a kilo or so, maybe two, uh, trimmer, harder than he was in in Russia. Now, if he maintains that, Diana, if, if he is running defences ragged, creating space for Griezmann, and remember Griezmann last season said that the big turnaround in his scoring form post-Christmas was Costa's presence, distraction to other defences, space-making, generosity. All of these things, to me, suggest that Atleti are definite contenders. I think that just like when Simeone arrived 
and removed this nervous disposition about them feeling, can we beat Real Madrid? He did that in, in, in the Cup, then in the League, then in the Spanish Super Cup, and now eventually in Europe by winning the Super Cup. That's a massive psychological boost in terms of what they have to do against Real Madrid in the coming matches, the first of which is just about a month away at the Wanda Metropolitano. So I know you are not hinting and saying, are they definite champions? To my money, they are eminently capable of giving Barcelona and Real Madrid a run for their money and being title contenders in April. If it's not the case, I'll be both disappointed and surprised, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Athan Sokolas got in touch to ask, are there any youth players that excite you this season? Me personally, I'm excited for Ricky Pug and Oriol Busquets. Athan names two kids coming through at Barcelona. Please do talk about them. But if there are youngsters on your radar elsewhere, Graham, let's hear about them as well. Athan's a, a stalwart socio who has always got a question to ask and it's a pleasure to hear from him again. And listen, you'd need to be a croquet fan not to be excited by Ricky Pooch because for anybody who hasn't seen him so far, um, this is the kid who, by reputation, Barcelona's technical director, um, Pep Segura, was on the point about six, seven months ago of saying, kid, you're too, <laughs> you're too small and you're too slight <laughs> at Barcelona. Uh, you're not going to make it. His career, his time at Barcelona has been rescued by two things. The, the fact that Valverde had to take a squad to America for the Champions Trophy and umpteen of his squad weren't ready to go there, first teamers. And Pooch went and Pooch played with his head up, played comfortably on the ball, prompting all the time, looking to use the ball in an aggressive, intelligent, creative way. He began to look like the way in which first-team candidates from La Masia, from the football base, used to look in terms of his technical ability is there in that he has you know, not only decent control, how he shapes himself to receive the ball when he offers for the ball, when he offers for the ball once he's given it the first time and then uses it, the movement to give whoever receives the ball another passing option, his little slide rule dink passes, the, the crosses, the shots all made him look like a player of promise. Number one, without defending what Pep Segura allegedly said to him, Ricky Pooch has got an awful lot to do physically to, to be able to ensure that he can use those talents in the Primera. In the, let me tell you that, you know, the small guys who people often use as the templates to say, why should Barcelona ever tell Ricky Pooch, you know, you're too small? Right, that's true, because talent and brains and vision come first. But let me tell you, the little guys who, who back up the notion of Barca saying we trust your ability ahead of physical dimensions, they're all beasts. Iniesta, Xavi, Messi, <laughs> Villa, Alba are in some physical shape, let me promise you. And when when you see them out-jumped or out-muscled, it's by somebody usually much bigger than them who's having to work their hardest in order to do that. So Ricky Puch has, has physical work to do to augment his talents. Now, Athan might well know that Valverde said, yeah, 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 hold on a second. I like the guy. He's going to get some time, brackets. You'd imagine that Barcelona play the cup games a little bit differently this season. They've won the cup repetitively. They know that they need to have a different level of freshness um, so that in Gerard Pique's words, they don't have a bad day. They kind of still say, oh, we had a bad day in the Champions League. Well, yeah, okay, that bad day came in Paris and then it came in Turin and, oh, me... Then it came in Rome. So 
when Xavi came out and said, Bosnia stopped throwing all the resources in January and February into the cup, I think that message will have been received. And I think that we'll begin to see players like Oriol Busquets and Ricky Puj in the cup. And Valverde said, listen, he's, he's now a Barca B player. We'll use him de vez en cuando from time to time. And I think we can trust in Valverde to do that, but he's got a very, very big competitive squad because the president is warming up for a presidential campaign and elections coming down the line by buying players that he thinks will win them trophies and short-termism in order to win the election again. And, you know, that is making some people spew right now, as I say it out loud. And it's not my vision of how a football club should be run, and particularly one that believes in the development of youth. But I don't want to ignore what Atherton was talking about in terms of Oriol Busquets. For anybody who hasn't seen him, he's no relation to Sergio Busquets. He is proven at Hovenil level that he's organised, that he's one of these guys who seems to create a little bit of extra time and space around him when he gets the ball. He's reasonably dynamic with the ball at his feet, either in um, the types of passes that he'll give or if he'll try to push past a player or two and then make the pass. Again, it's clear that at a time when Sergi Samper has been given a, a first-team number and a chance in the squad, at a time when uh, when Carlos Alenia recovers from that brutal knee injury that he had last season, he'll be pushing for time. Artur is there, Coutinho is there, Busquets is there, Arturo Vidal is there. This isn't an easy time for either Puch or Oriol Busquets to be breaking through. And therefore, rather than predicting what they will do, Ethan, I will tell you this. It's absolutely essential that we find out over this six, seven-month period how seriously does Valverde take the idea of player emergence and player development ahead of winning trophies and winning trophies now, if possible, because the president and the board have absolutely, you know, nailed their colours to the mast. Trophies, 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 trophies. And Valverde's stuck in the middle because he is a guy who trusts youth talent. He's got a good eye for when to promote them. I believe in him on that front. But he's employed by the board and he's employed by the president. And therefore, how he dances his way around that subject is more important than whether you've identified two talented footballers because you have. Around the grounds, um, Fornals at Villarreal, I'm I'm so keen to see. Vallejo at Real Madrid, I genuinely believe in Vallejo, very much indeed. And how and when he gets his chance and how well he can stay injury-free is absolutely vital. Porro, the right-back at Girona, who I thought against um, Real Madrid in a 4-1 defeat, admittedly, at the weekend was a standout. And I know that Ferran, I saw Ferran Soriano, Manchester City chief executive there, watching him. Not that City are going to gobble him up immediately, but he's at Girona so that they can evaluate whether he's a City player or not. He'd be somebody who immediately excites me. There are a clutch of youngsters potentially coming through at Atleti. I'll be paying full attention to learn more about Calero, the the stopper sweeper um, ball player at the back for Valladolid, who to me looked elegant and intelligent and deft with both feet, which is rare for a centre-back. So, look, as the season goes on and we repeat this exercise, ask me again about the young talents who have caught my eye, because there are more. I mean, and I've, I'll probably kick myself immediately about four or five that, 
you know, I, I should have thrown at you instantly. Gedge coming back. Gedge, because Gedge is such a high profile, um, <laughs> maybe we're, you know, maybe I'm being guilty of not immediately saying him, but he's a kid who showed, and Neil's in the background there. Neil, I know, was mm, underwhelmed by what the kid brought to the World Cup because he looked a little bit burned out. Well, it's funny that you should mention that. I mean, in relation to this deal, Valencia kind of win a watch because if he has a fantastic World Cup, then that price is not that price. And maybe PSG don't even sell. Probably they don't get him, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly so. So, I mean, uh, great to have him back in La Liga. Somebody that we did pretty much a whole show on at one point um, in the first half of last season. And he was worth it then, Neil. I think that is the, I think that's the point that in response to Ithan, what I'm trying to say is that I haven't by any way um, had my confidence dented that this is a footballer who's going to um, continue to thrill us with either um, his brand of play, his assists, his pace, his goals, his competitive aggression, the fact that he feels very identified with uh, Valencia. He's gone there not simply because it's a way to get first-team football. He's believed in the project. He's going to be taught by an excellent manager. So I go back to him. I go back to Diacabi, who you and I watched playing for Valencia at Leicester and who effectively is the guy brought through at Lyon to replace him, Titi, and already he's at Valencia. So rawness aside, when I watched Diacabi, and not for his brutal physical size and strength, there's a footballer there, young, um, but he's beginning to keep up much more experienced footballers at Valencia. And I'm very, very excited to see whether he is the composure and football ability that Untiti had and displayed more and more as he came through at um, Football Club Barcelona. And, And obviously, Andre Silva now might not count as a youngster at 23, but we haven't seen much of him in this league. And he had a little bit of time training under Lopetegui at Porto. Um, he had time out at Milan. And he's hit the ground running in this season. And given that he's completely different to what Sevilla experienced over the last couple of years with Muriel and Benyeder, and because he's shown that he's he's an aggressive runner, he's, he's an instinctive finisher, he's taller, holds the ball up well, um, he's quick when he's playing on the shoulder. And albeit that Escudero is, is out now, um, for maybe six weeks. The width at Sevilla through, whether it be Navas, Nolito, whether it be Sarabia, Muriel playing wide, they're now looking for this centre forward. He's got completely different dimensions and pace and attitude to the previous centre forwards at uh, Sevilla over the last couple of seasons. So there's a range of people that I'm I'm most definitely looking forward to watching develop, and some of them I'm, I'm downright excited by. It's an impressive dance card. And now it's time for our very first Bet365 question. A question that our new sponsors at Bet365 have sent in as part of this Q&A. Graham, the guys at Bet365 ask, how do you think the Spanish sides will fare in the Champions League this season? There has been, you know, outright domination of the Champions League um, over the last handful of years, given that Barca's treble in 2015 has been followed by three straights from Real Madrid. Madrid beat Atleti in 2014. It's been, I think, arguably more astonishing domination of the competition, even than when I was growing up, when um, Ajax won three in a row or Bayern Munich won three in a row in a completely different competition, which was far, far 
far easier to win. So looking at this year, I'll be true to my um, prediction. The headline story is Cristiano Ronaldo had a special relationship with the Champions League. And when the early parts of the season would see him unable to use a stringed musical instrument to hit the part where the tail is parked on a bovine animal, which is cow's arse with a banjo, domestically he was still setting records in the group stages of the Champions League, which I think is genuinely extraordinary. And um, I think as well, with him being absent now from Romadid's squad, I don't believe that they can cope with that and win the Champions League in a way that potentially they can cope with Cristiano Ronaldo's absence and, and win domestically, win La Copa or La Liga. That, that's my perception. I think that they'll be competitive. I would definitely argue that Real Madrid will, will threaten teams because the rest of the squad still possesses that knowledge of how to get things done. There still is exceptional talent up front in Bale, Benzema, Asensio and potentially Isco or uh, Marianne or Borja. There is enough that Real Madrid, frankly, should be last eight, last four. And at that point, Everybody at Bet365 will say, well, it then becomes a lottery. It then becomes, how's your form? How are your injuries? How's your momentum? Fine, I agree. Here and now, I'll state my case and say that um, Romadid don't do the utterly extraordinary and retain their title again. That That's, I think, Ronaldo's departure makes it as simple as that. Last eight, last four, maybe the final? Yeah, sure. Will they be driven on by trying everything that they've got? street smarts and dark arts to try and make sure Atleti don't win the Champions League in their own stadium. Yeah, draw your own conclusions from my tone of voice. Atleti, I think one of the things that is difficult for them, although they have a brilliantly reinforced squad, the addition of Rodri in central midfield to replace Gabby, whose legs were going, but Rodri has similar um, tactical nous, ball-winning skills, passing skills to Gabby. That's been good business. Kalinic, let's wait and see. Um, Lamar, we haven't had a lot of chance to speak about, but Lamar has knocked me out for a a relatively delicate uh, player physically who's come from a league, League One, Monaco, where you are not playing the same brand of football. You're not tested in the same way as in La Liga. For him to be up and down the pitch, offering for the ball, carrying the ball well, doing far more hurrying back and, and tackling than I thought we'd see until Cholo Simeone taught him. Lamar has made an impact on me. Does he have to be the, the you know in the top two, three performers for Atleti in his first season? No, he doesn't. But the fact that Correa has come back absolutely hungry, the fact that Lucas is now a world champion, right across Atleti's squad, Vitolo, once he gets fit, is going to be a, a powerful addition of goals, hard running and tackling. Atleti have a chance to look at the trophies ahead of them and choose where their priorities are. They are potential title winners in Spain. Now, do they prioritise that or do they prioritise getting back to the Champions League final? It's a final of a competition where they've been three times and the first time they're winning with seconds left, it goes to a replay by a minute win. The next time... They're winning with seconds left. It goes to extra time and they collapse. The final time, they're the better side over 90 minutes, punch their weight in 
the, the remaining 30 minutes in Milan and lose on penalties. It is an enormously sore wound for Atleti that they haven't won this. The fact that the the tournament is being played, at the final is being held on June 1 in Rwanda, means that don't discount them doing something special this year. Again, I'm arguing that Atleti, despite their embarrassing group performance last year, look at the way they slapped themselves about the face and went out and marched out and won the Europa League. Extra experience. You've got players in Lamar, Griezmann and Lucas who knew how to win a World Cup. Whatever part they played, however much of a part they played, they knew how to win that tournament. So my argument is, again, you've got a last four team there in Atleti. Potentially on a, on a very good season where they don't prioritise the league, potentially you've got Champions League winners. Barcelona's faults um, are partially corrected in the utter hidings they've had um, away to Paris Saint-Germain, away to Juventus in Turin, um, away to Roma when they lost a 4-1 lead. Uh, they were run off their legs. The aggression in midfield left Barcelona looking flat and tired. So bringing in Longley at the back, bringing in Arturo Vidal, Arturo the young Brazilian, we're looking at a squad whereby Coutinho can definitely kick on from his first six months. Where I mean, I think he's got 11 goals now in 19 starts. That's above and beyond what they bought the Brazilian from Liverpool for. He's looking comfortable in that midfield and, and, and can spread into attack. Dembele is maturing. It's a more robust squad. And when you get Leo Messi standing at the beginning of the season in the, in the inauguration game against Boca Juniors saying, we were brilliant winning the league in the cup last year, but we want the Champions League. Believe me, we're going to give everything to bring the Champions League back. Focus is, in like in life, having targets is important to football groups. I'm sorry to be repetitive. Barcelona currently look as if they can be a last four side as well, as the three, as the two I've mentioned already. Where have they not resolved the problem? Look at Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez, by the time the group stages kick off again, won't have scored an away Champions League goal for three years. He started the season domestically looking completely all over the place. And I think he scored maybe once in his last 12 Champions League matches. That is a brutal problem. How you solve it... The fact that they wanted Griezmann now looks blindingly obvious as to why. That's a, a huge difficulty, unless what we see is, as in the treble year, when they last won the Champions League, unless Suarez has a brilliant second half of the season, Barca get through the group, and he comes to life from January onwards, and he played a gigantic role with Messi and Neymar in winning the treble that season, that's when you judge Barca's possibility to be winners. Because right now... That lack of firepower, particularly in away games, will continue to haunt them. And another thing, if you're calculating whether they're going to win the Champions League or not, they have to abandon, on Xavi's advice, not just mine, this all-out pursuit of the Copa del Rey with their best squad every game in January and February. It's a slog, it doubles your workload, and it almost guarantees, almost guarantees, that you're not going to win the Champions League. That's how to judge them. Valencia are going to frolic. They're going to love it. The Mestalla, for anybody who's been there, is a powerful tool for a squad which is really well built up this season. The fact that with the market, as I speak, not closed, it looks like they'll keep Rodrigo. The fact that they can choose between Santimina, Rodrigo, um, Batshuayi, 
up front. They've got rid of Zaza. They, they've added Gedge just in time. They've got Soler wide. They've got Cherishev wide. I worry a little bit about the vital importance of Danny Parejo and Condobbia in midfield. If they're out, do they have the the means of giving the same quality of play and threat in central midfield? I'm not sure that they do, but their back four has been uh, really well augmented. I think that Piccini, despite the fact that he was caught out at the weekend at uh, Espanyol, looks to me to be an improvement at right back. Um, Diacabi is going to be a monstrously good player as far as I'm concerned. The coach is brilliant. Valencia can't win this tournament, can't win the Champions League. Can they tip over some big names? Yes. Would I expect them to see like perform a little bit like Sevilla has, well, say last season, um, or Celta Vigo in the Europa League, being able to take on Premier League clubs and either beat them or test them to the extreme? Yeah. I see Valencia certainly being a last 16 team, probably a quarter final team. And beyond that, let's wait and see. But their their need to make sure that the top four in La Liga to keep generating revenue might undermine them. They can't take their eye off that ball. Not Champions League winners, but a team to progress, a team to give us fun. And if Spain aren't, again, the overall dominant force in the Champions League, whether they're winners or not, Manchester City, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain have a word in that argument. Juventus, I'm not sure. In fact, I'll frankly say I don't believe Juventus are winners. I think it's between the Spain, Atleti, Barca, Real Madrid, Manchester City, maybe Bayern Munich, maybe Paris Saint-Germain. So I expect Spain to come out at the end of this season still looking like, pound for pound, the dominant Champions League country with Barca, Madrid and Atleti proving that. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're back and Graham, I'm going to wrap these next three together. Um, apologies then to Ryan, Terostra, Nick, Taylor and Wesley, just Wesley. Ryan asked, Outside the top three, who will be the most entertaining team to watch this season? Nick wants to know your pick for fourth place. 
I guess Nick can't entertain anyone getting in front of Barca and the Madrid teams across 38 games, and that's fair enough. Wesley wants to know what you think Lareal will do this season. Ah, one by one, picking them off. Outside the top three, who will be the most entertaining team to watch this season? Outside the top three, well, yeah, who is outside the top three? If you are claiming that's going to be Barca, Madrid and Atleti, I might disagree with you, but I expect that even though they got their um, backsides handed to them at Cornea against Espanyol at the weekend, I fully expect Valencia to be a joy to watch, particularly at the Mestalla, because the fans believe, and you know that, the spectacle we watch on the on the pitch, whether we're watching them from the TV or from the stands, the brew is different. The brew is more heady. The brew is more intoxicating if the players and the coach and the fans all believe at the same time. So in terms of volcanically entertaining, don't miss many Mestalla matches because that's going to be damn good. I'm not sure Villarreal have the balance across their 11 or their squad to give you all the entertainment you're looking for, Ryan. But when they start playing, particularly at home, Ikambi and Gerard and Baca, who between them scored 54 goals last season, the only team in La Liga whose three strikers scored more than that uh, last season is Barca. So Villarreal in bursts, and it can't be my full answer to you. Again, Betis, I really thoroughly regret um, the fact that um, one of the most promising young midfielders um, in Spain was sold to Napoli. Um, But Fabian went and that's that. Without him, I see Betis's midfield shorn of the type of intelligent playmaking creativity that allows them to be just as entertaining, as exciting as last season. And therefore... I'm going to cheat a little bit and say that I think the wheels are going to come off at Espanyol because I do not believe they've got enough quality. But short term, unless Ruby, their new coach, has is it a cattle prod? Is it some sort of hocus-pocus magic? He's injected players with confidence. And I don't expect Espanyol to be entertaining us from now until May in the way that they're playing right now because I think that... When they take a punch to the jaw, it's going to be a glass jaw. And I just don't think they've got enough quality players. However, short term, if you aren't convinced by my argument, go back and watch not not what result they got against Valencia at the weekend, but how they played. Go back and look at their pre-season. So there are choices in there. And um, are Levante going to be quite as entertaining without Lerma to anchor them and give them power and stability in midfield? I don't know. But in Levante, we're talking about a team that put five past Barcelona on the penultimate game of the season in a 5-4 win. And Morales is different gravy. So take your pick from there. Short term until we talk again, Ryan. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I'm going to say Espanol. Uh, Nick, fourth place, um, I don't know. Um, because even after the result against Espanol... Valencia's squad is off the charts. Rodrigo needs all the buzz and the rumours to go away. I think they are going to go away. I don't think Real Madrid are going to pay his buyout clause, which is £80 million, And therefore, once the whistle goes in the transfer market, I think we're going to see him renewed again. Beyond that, when you look at the absolute brilliance and the depth of Valencia's squad, I'm still convinced that six, seven months down the line, we're still going to be talking about Valencia as potentially taking position two or three 
But I don't know whether the fourth team is Valencia, Atleti, Real Madrid. I don't think it's outside those four. I'm, I will be utterly shocked if it's outside those four. And right now, whether Barca win the title or not, they are so strong in depth and their mentality is so strong. And Barca finishing outside the top two would really surprise me again. Fourth, I usually give you an answer. I'm not going to give you a guess. I'm going to ask, like they say in job interviews, when they try and tempt you into giving up, you know, an answer just to impress them, always ask for more time. And then Wesley, what do I think La Real will do? Garitano goes to La Real with a squad that many people would um, swap their grannies for. You've got, I think, as much talent up front as that club's had for a very long time in that William Jose is is, is special. E.R. Amendi in the centre of midfield is 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 deeply underrated because of his poor time at um, Real Madrid. At the back, I don't believe that they're strong enough. But where that's compensated by Garitano's arrival is I fully expect to see La Real much more organised, much more aggressive when they don't have the ball. Harder to score against, not because the defence, the back five has been dramatically augmented and improved, but because day in, day out, week in, week out, Garitano, I think, will add an organisation that stems from being less wasteful with the ball, being much less open when the ball is ripped off them. In other words, I think Lareal probably, as the weeks go by, are exposed less, become much more difficult to play against. And then things rest heavily on whether William Jose or Wami or Oyarzabal can get the number of goals that are needed. So in my view, we're going to see a more solid, um, maybe slightly less eccentric uh, La Real. They need to get their stadium and pitch sorted out, but La Real won't be in relegation danger, can, can fight for a Europa League place. I don't think they get it, but I think they're going to be more organised. And what's more, um, Wesley, I reckon they've got the right coach. And that if they give him budget in January and next June, then when we talk again in a year's time, I think we're talking about a La Real who can suddenly punch the weight against the big boys. And that will be very exciting. There's a depth of fun in La Liga that makes you think, even if the top of the table runs more to form there are enough teams in there to give those guys bloody noses in the business end of the season that it could be it could be super interesting, you know, in April and May. Okay, just wrapping up this first of two shows where we're going to be putting our socios questions to Graham. Here's two. One from socio Josh Caswell, who asks, who are the players to look out for this season? And on a similar theme, here's a recorded question from Kevin Gimenez. Hi Graham, Kevin Gimmen is here. Hope you're doing well, mate. Uh, question for you: Now that Cristiano Ronaldo is plying his trade in Italy, who do you see as the main contenders against Lionel Messi for the La Liga Player of the Season this year? Hello, Josh. Hello, Kevin. Um, Josh, man, man, man. That's just, it's a Pandora's box of a question. Look, if I go a trot, Porto, can he have a second season? of such thrilling impact and does he have the legs to outrun people all season like he did last season Vatslik is the severe goalkeeper who meant that Soria was was cleared out and and, and Rico was was punted out at both at the same time Vatslik at Sevilla looks to be an addition thus far 
so the players to watch, he's in it. Thus far, of the order of um, when Stegen was signed and when Oblak was signed, and, and you think, how has he slipped through the gaze of the clubs with the mega budgets? Maybe because we've got things to learn. And, and he's not he's no youngster, but maybe we've got things to learn that we'll see irregular patches in the season from him and the big scouts at, at the big clubs in, in England with the massive budgets already know them. But in my point of view, what I've seen so far, thrilling. Player to watch, Rodri. Rodri's talent is undoubted. And I want to you know remind you all that when Lopetegui took the squad to Russia before he was sacked, he took Vallejo and Rodri with him and kept them with him. So there was a there was a training squad which gradually was reduced. And he just went, no, 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 to Rodri and Vallejo. You're coming with us to Krasnodar. And I spoke to both of them there and I watched them in training. And anybody who watched Rodri last season for Villarreal will know that he is positionally really intelligent. He's one of the best tacklers in terms of when to rob the ball. Um, in all of La Liga and I'm desperate to see him um, I'll throw one in that's a little bit odd in that um, I've already talked about Calero at Valladolid but I always liked Enes Unal when at Villarreal I, I've been absolutely enchanted by the, the glimpses of talent and pace and aggression that I've seen in him he's been irregular because at I don't know 2021 I think he's had 9 or 10 clubs so far something daft like that and therefore I would always argue with uh, Javi Caleja at Villarreal when he, he was relegating Unal to the bench. I didn't believe in it. And now that he's leading the line at Valladolid, and, and I was there at Zoria at the weekend, and I saw the crowd absolutely warming to him and loving it. I'm going to watch him really, really closely. At Betis, I suppose, Junior. I want to see how Junior develops. Um, I, I think that Betis have made a major mistake in letting Adan go and not re-signing him and not giving him the money that he wanted at his age. I think that's a big mistake. I don't believe Powers is good. I think, therefore, it's going to be really important that the the Cantera players who, who showed a lot last season, not, not exclusively, but notably Junior and um, Moron up front, it's vital that they kick on, that they don't simply look like flashes in the pan. I could keep going on and on um, of the big clubs, of the biggest clubs. Um, it will fascinate me to watch Dembele's progress. I don't know how, much, how many of you managed to watch La Liga TV or how many of you remember Steve Archibald starring at my club, Aberdeen, and then starring at Spurs where he won the FA Cup. He's now living over here working with me and we have a really firm argument about Usman Dembele. And Dembele to me, while far from the finished article and often frustrating and not necessarily all that mature yet, you can absolutely see that he oozes talent and that he has things that very few players in the world possess. How they're harnessed, whether he learns from Messi, listens to Valverde, whether he can um, augment his defensive work all over the pitch. That's a player to watch because we don't just want to be thrilled. I know, Josh, we haven't spoken much, but in Kevin's case, um, I know we, we like to be thrilled. We like to sit back and go, wow, that's um, that's a fantastic player. So, um, look, there's a run through. I could give you a dozen more. I've already mentioned Morales earlier in this program. And Kevin, um, I'd like to put up an argument that says to you, there is a clutch of players who can, and, and I really like the fact you didn't say outscore, but I, I believe that if Leo Messi stays fit, He's so determined, so stung by 
last season's Champions League, not defeat, but humiliation. So stung by the fact that I think he's now consigned it as very unlikely that he wins a World Cup. And I'm learning from something that I guess you already know, but for others listening, when Leo Messi comes back, notably not rusty, not disenchanted, but hungry, sharp, aggressive in training early on. What the other players do is they they go, oh, look, look, Leo's on it. If he stays like this, we're going to win things. And the last time I heard the buzz from the Barca players that I know or hear from vicariously about Leo Messi's buzz and he's enchufado, he's switched on, plugged in. That's the phrase that's used here in Spain. The last time I heard such a buzz was at the beginning of the 14-15 season, which ended with him playing magnificently, winning the treble, guiding them to treble. And I think that if if he's spared by injury and if Barcelona do not run their players into the ground in January and February in the Copa del Rey, I don't think he has a rival, not only in La Liga, I think an in-form, buzzing, aggressive captain's armband wearing is a small element in there, but it's in there. Leo Messi. Then no, I'm not going to try and manufacture an answer, Kevin, that there's an automatic competition from Bale or Griezmann or Danny Parejo or Condogbia. If somebody emerges and overtakes Messi, I'll salute them delightedly. But as you've asked the question and as we stand right now, no. I think Leo Messi will be a trophy lifter again this season and I think he'll be Spain's most valuable, best player. We're going to talk more about Leo Messi in part two of this Q&A special, um, especially the influence or otherwise of that captain's armband. That one's going to come from Richard Cook. Richard, you'll have to wait a little bit longer. Also waiting, Merrin, Tom, Aditya, Richard and Ian. But for today, that's our show. Thanks so much to the socios for those questions. Socios get to participate in these monthly Q&As. They also get exclusive content from us, including an extra big interview every month. If you want to join that club, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.